watch all week the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival comedy programming from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. We are live. J.W. Megawake Show. I am your host, the Candyman. And today, you're in for a special quarantine lemonade treat. Please welcome to the show, Katie Harper, local artist here. Hi, JW. Wow. You know, we got um, we got a virtual audience here. Amazing. They're so supportive. I love it. Yeah. It's great. It's <laughs> filled with excitement here in, at Mutiny. So I know well, you, um, yeah, gosh, I just, life as an, as an artist <laughs> in San Francisco here. It's Mutiny something Re- else. It's something else right now. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy times, but hanging in there. How about you? Yeah, I think I think so. Gosh, I'm so grateful that we have this going. Gosh, we're, we got our gloves and our masks on in here. It's just, it's pretty surreal. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine the studio life. I haven't left this apartment, or really this neighborhood, in like a month. So it's been, yeah, kind of shocking. Just a weird sensation all around. Yeah, so you said that you're in the, you're in the city somewhere? Or? I am. So I'm based in north beach um that makes a lot of yeah. sense yeah <laughs> been here for about four years now so yeah i mean there's there's definitely worse places to be quarantined i'm from indiana originally so i would take this over a cold indiana spring any day of the week so I'm trying to count my blessings yeah i can't imagine and you know as i know that in north beach they recently reopened washington square park maybe it's been a couple months, but I remember when it was closed down for a while yeah. for reach. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some um, renovations I think they were making with a sprinkler system. But yeah, long and short, it was closed for like six months, and they finally reopened late last year. And then yeah, and then <laughs> COVID. Yeah. But I mean, people are still utilizing it. It's a great space. I mean, living in the city, you don't have a lot of space to really recreate be outside aside from your local parks um but yeah we have circles now that are painted in the grass i guess to keep everyone kind of centrally located in their groups i know dolores park is doing the same thing so you're embracing it i mean getting ingenuity it's been i'm I'm thankful for it so yeah you know i was at um (laughs) i actually didn't know either i didn't even read the the article um yeah, but when I randomly, you know, I was walking through Dolores Park, me and my guitar, and I saw it all painted all these circles. I was like, oh my gosh, this is kind of cool. It I looks, mean, yeah, it's a really cool aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, just let the excitement overcome the fear here. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can be positive. But somebody yeah, had yeah. these roller, they looked like, um, they were like roller blades, but it was set up like a skis. Like it was like this long thing of oh, just ripping down the hill. Oh, that's um, weird. It was pretty weird. It was pretty funny. Well, that's like aliens. I've never, <laughs> I didn't see it go up. I just remember walking out to like get some fresh air. I'm like, well, that's new. <laughs> but yeah, we live pretty close to the park. And I mean, it was done within like a matter of hours. So yeah, pretty crazy. But yeah. smart, smart on their end. So yeah. So I know you've been working on a, a lot of uh, projects. Um, yeah. And so. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many projects you're working on, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I'm thankful, yeah, for sure, um, for the time really to be home and focus on expanding my portfolio and just kind of growing my artistic practice as a whole. I think that's one benefit of quarantine. Um, There's obviously a lot of negatives that coincide with it, but um, yeah, it's brought a fair amount of commissions my way and it's really afforded me the opportunity to kind of build out my skill set and take on new projects and yeah, really work with organizations that I'm passionate about and yeah, yeah an exciting time for sure yeah this is the time to capitalize on this <laughs> yeah <laughs> just i remember actually when i had uh the first i think i ran i ran into a raw artist like, what was oh, it what yeah. is it? oh my gosh that was back in october yeah wow yeah so i can't remember um i was there to support uh, another friend of mine and um i came across um one of your pieces and i was just like i'm not one of those people that you know, ha- just buys anything just to buy some, but I felt like I had to buy this painting. <laughs> and so Thank it was, so much. it was funny about, it. I forget who I was talking about yesterday. Um, talking about the, the stud. So I don't know if you heard about the stud, um, mm-hmm. they're relocating. And I remember okay. thinking, I was like, gosh, I was so, oh, yeah, I'm having Katie on the show tomorrow. I was thinking about where I met you. I'm like, that would be a great place for the stud to relocate right really? there yeah so the stud is like a it's a really I mean, an old uh, gem um okay yeah um it's i don't even know how to do it it's drag it's really <laughs> just the yeah so it's a it's a drag joint and i was thinking it's like gosh you know at raw artist when i was there and when i saw you back in october that mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that there were some folks doing the catwalk up on yeah, the uh, yeah the stage there <laughs> And that's just such an interesting venue, and you think about it, and you, you, know, you think about... It is about so cool. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, you know, a lot of these, you know, bars, it's like, you know, they're unable to operate. Um, For sure, And yeah. a lot of these, you know, bars, like, you, you can't be, you have to be 21 to even walk in. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure with yeah. Raw Artists and that, and that night that you were there, I don't think it was that you needed to be 21. Did you? I think it was... 21 and over Maybe for that specific event only because they were serving liquor that night. But I think you're right. The general rule of that establishment is that it's 18 and above. Um, but yeah, which is great. Cause I mean, there's a lot of young artists in the city that I'm sure, you know, they want to have their friends there to support them. There's a concert stage. There's a runway. It's a really amazing space. So I think it's 18, 18 and up. Yeah. But I can't remember. Yeah, it and it's great. And it's funny because it it's going to come back to me. I forget who I was talking to about this, but I, I want to say, you know, I'm a East Bay native mm-hmm. and um, from San Ramon. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if you know where, it's like 25 miles away from here. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. My boyfriend's family is from uh, San Leandro, so we make a lot of East Bay trips. 510. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, the, um, so what's really uh, – interesting about that i remember being 18 years old and going out to the city and there was this place it was called club x and sounds like trouble (laughs) yeah no totally it was like one of those you could be 18 and still go in and oh yes that's the best though i mean we had one of those in our college town and it was bumping monday through sunday every city needs one yeah i couldn't so and that was the thing, you know, because I heard about the stud and them moving, and I know that they're looking at other places 
to go. And I was just like, gosh, you know, that place is, I can't remember the name of the, I mean, it was Raw Artist that night. But yeah. what is the actual place called? It seems like that could have been Club X. I want to say that, yeah, it, maybe Disco was in the title. I'm totally blanking on the name as well. But Holy yeah, it's Pam like, knows. <laughs> it seems like almost an underutilized space. It's crazy. It's got so much to offer. But yeah, hopefully. I mean, that'd be a great place for, yeah, drag, catwalks. It's got, like, all the ingredients. There's disco balls everywhere, tons of mirrors. Yeah, that seems like the place. And I, I hope they find it because I know that drag, and you know, is one of those things that we need to have that. That's what San Francisco Absolutely. is, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the cornerstones of San Francisco culture. Yeah, so I don't know um, – I'm not as much as a, of a booze hound as I used to be, but, you know, <laughs> kind of like being around and going around these, these bars that, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these places, you know, have been taken apart and put back together, you know, a couple mm -hmm. different times. There was another place that was called Gangway that recently had, you know, it was another gay bar that they, someone had bought. So the owner of mm -hmm. Cozy Car, I don't know if you've ever been to Cozy Car. No, I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah. So they, yeah. So it was, is an interesting, interesting place. I wonder if anyone out. I know that somebody listening in, they've been to Cozy Car. It's a very um, unique, <laughs> say the least. And um, where's it at? The Castro? No. So this place is actually on Polk, on okay. Polk Street. Um, gotcha, gotcha. And, and then Gangway is in the. Uh, it's kind of borderline, or it's, it's, I forget what they're calling it now, because someone bought it and turned it into something else. But um, yeah. I mean, there's. I'm just. There's so many places cool. I just wow. – everything's going to change when we come out of this. I – you know, I'm really just apprehensive to see what the economic toll is going to be. I mean, obviously, you want to keep top of mind that people's health is the number one goal here. You want to preserve that as much as possible. But, I mean, there's a local artist that lives in my neighborhood. His name's Jeremy Fish, and he's been doing a lot of work to sell prints to – support North Beach specifically just because it's it's very likely you know that a lot of these places won't be coming back they're multi-generational families that have owned and operated these places for years and I mean they're going month to month pretty much just to pay rent and pay their employees and it's a really delicate dance and when you take out three months of you know economic income it's really scary and you know trying to keep a brave face and you know, reach out as much as possible to people in the neighborhood for sure. And even beyond that too, I mean, all of San Francisco is that way. And, you know, it's, it's a time more than ever for people to really be leaning on each other and, you know, know that we're in this together. So yeah, I feel we will that, persevere yeah. <laughs> yeah, so one way was, or another. I don't know if you remember, gosh, you know, I'm not, I try not to spend too much time online, but you know, I guess that's the way things are these days with yeah. being shelter in place. But, mm -hmm. um, there was, um, something with um gosh the uh the something with a one of these bars <sighs> okay no so it was one of these uh why can't it's it's not it's not coming back to me right now but basically um like how we're going to come out of this and um i don't know i mean like the 60s you think about the 60s like i don't know way mm -hmm. before our time but mm -hmm. you think about it, like that wasn't an easy time but, no, no. But all I, you know, for me, the, what I, I just think of, you know, art 
all the art that was created in the 60s that was um so inspirational and that's exactly right yeah i mean with and i mean we've we've undergone a lot of you know just devastation as a city for generations really i mean you had the aids epidemic in the 80s you know you had the vietnam war and you know it's never been easy to live in a city to begin with but i i am proud to live in a city that is as resilient as san francisco and being surrounded in a community with so many creatives that are really you know, using this time to create art. I mean, I've seen, I, I can't even count how much, I, I can't even call it graffiti. I mean, there's definitely badass graffiti out there for sure. But like, people are wallpapering prints onto boarded up windows. People are doing chalk art all throughout the streets. I mean, there's just so much vibrance coming out of this that I really think should be celebrated and have a light shine on it. You know, it's it's one of the things that I keep seeing popping up in my Instagram feed, and it just makes my heart flutter a little bit to see because, you know, people are really, truly making the best of the worst. And, yeah, it's it's beyond inspirational, for sure. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, you got the artists, you have the photographers, you have the musicians, mm-hmm. you have the comedians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> for sure. Know. You need that now more than ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going a little, I don't know, Anything negative, I kind of look at it as a challenge, right? The lemonade thing. But I just have right. I've been quarantining solo now for for two months. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, just sitting around and just, I started a garden. I got a yoga garden. <laughs> same, same. Oh, my God. I, yeah, that I mean, I think, oh, my gosh, maybe I did see the garden that you got going. I think I did see it. <laughs> I um. It's, it's slowly. I do not have a green thumb whatsoever, but slowly coming together, and it's just. <laughs> I feel like as close to a parent as I ever will feel watching these seeds sprout. That is so lame and like no shade to all of the amazing mothers out there. Like that is such a feat. But for me, keeping a plant alive longer than a month is like damn near impossible. So this is, this is a lot. This is a lot for me to take in. I feel like I'm going through, through something similar and I think other people out there could relate as well. I mean, it's just, I need something to occupy this time, and I feel like mm-hmm. what we're doing, putting this energy towards this is great. I thought about going and adopting a puppy um, oh my last gosh. month, and then I'm like, maybe I should take care of a plant first for a month and be a plant <laughs> parent, be a plant mom or dad for a month, and then think about it, because I was just like, that might be a little extreme, like, to just go yeah. from, just, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I totally feel you. My boyfriend and I literally have the exact same conversation. And it's so hard because you have all this time and you keep seeing everybody in the parks with their new puppies. I think the SPCA Humane Society is actually out of dogs to adopt, which is a beautiful thing. But yeah, it just, it's, it's remarkable how quick people are like, oh yeah, let me just do that. You know, I have the time for it like well this isn't gonna be our lives forever this is gonna be you know over in a couple of months you're just gonna have crazy (laughs) separation anxiety yeah afterwards but i mean it is a beautiful thing too but yeah it's got to be hard though i mean i'm i'm thankful to have a partner to kind of do this out with and you know really do life with but yeah i mean all of my friends that are just kind of living on their own you know no roommates whatsoever it's 
it's an isolating feeling and you know it's a really important thing to check in on your mental health and check in with you know your mind your body your spirit and just really be aware you know of how this is impacting everybody you know yoga garden that's what i'm saying <laughs> i just I, I feel like that i don't know with your plays and I, I had somebody else i was talking to somebody else earlier this week i feel like i've rearranged my place five times in the past couple of months and gosh you know as my place has never ever been so clean and i mean not like i wasn't clean before but <laughs> it's just like man what else could i do i got a i got this pool table from a neighbor now i got this pool table I got a garden. <laughs> I just you got I, a lot of hobbies going. <laughs> I mean, that's a good thing. It it is remarkable though to see like how much filth you actually produce. I mean, we consider ourselves to be clean here in our apartment, but living here without leaving here for two months on end has made us realize like, oh my god, I I shed so much. I shed the size of a hamster in hair every single week. <laughs> There's in all of the crevices, I'm like, this is this is fucked up. Like, <laughs> oh, man. I can't go on like this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds like you got a lot going on, though. I mean, you're doing all the right things. Yeah, no, totally. I feel <laughs> like when I so um, I feel like especially you know with Muni and being here now, I don't know if anyone could relate. You know, even listening in or anyone out there in the the universe. Mm. But I feel like, like I'm there. You know, I'm like I'm in this imaginary artistic world that's floating over San Francisco and that's mm. there's something that's you know uplifting of that because I think you can just get caught up in your thing it's like I feel like when at least for me and I don't know if anyone could relate is like somebody calling you during this time is like mm -hmm. almost intrusive it can be yeah but yeah. um yeah I'm just so Definitely. I'm, yeah but the um the thing is, yeah, yeah, so I mean, like, painting and, and having that, I just, oh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Making some memories. Yeah. yeah. Have you been painting at all, or have you been, I guess, you know, gardening in itself is definitely a creative practice. You are literally creating life with seeds, which is beautiful. But, I mean, have you been painting at all, or do you yourself draw? So I've, um, I'm more of a, a poet. I'm more of, a, you know, uh, singer, guitar, uh, guitar, singer, songwriter, but, um, That's I do do a little bit more poetry and I do some sketch work, um, mm. like with a pen and a, and a pencil, but I think I might get more serious in on this. I, I'm actually in the process of building this planter box out of this palette that I, I found from this commercial, um, grade cooler. It's like this compressor. I don't know. So I'm, I'm doing that. And that's like a personal goal, but I think to have something and do something in pastel, um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that seems like a great avenue to go down. What got yeah. you into uh, to doing, you know, to to painting and doing your your thing? How um, actually, that's, that's a good question. I feel like I kind of came out of the womb, uh, really drawing, coloring, making anything I could get my hands on. Um, but yeah, I've just always been kind of an introvert. And so for me, drawing was always a catharsis. 
Like, I don't like being around large crowds whenever we would have, like, big, huge family gatherings. I was always that weird kid, like, running off with my colored pencils and the notebook and just, like, coloring for hours. And that stuck with me. I mean, to this day, I still would definitely consider myself to be more introverted. But, I mean, we live in such an age of heightened expectation and our roles are becoming more and more demanding. And, you know, as you climb a corporate ladder or as you're, you know, growing in your career practice, whatever, whatever that looks like for someone, you know, it's, it's important for me especially to take that time and take that break and really just for my mental health and just be heads down with sketch notebook and just draw, draw my feelings, draw a story, draw anything that's on my mind. Wow. It's almost like time travel from like right when you're out of the womb into this very moment right now. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah. It, like, also allows me to, this sounds so cheesy and woo-woo, but, like, it allows me to connect with my younger self and, like, a younger, more innocent time, and it's just peaceful. It's peaceful for me. Yeah, you see that, like, um, it was interesting, you know, I I feel similar, too. I mean, I I picked up a guitar when I was six, um, and, you know, I went off the way to college and started to, you know, started my career which I, I, you know, I basically grew up mm-hmm. to be the candy man. <laughs> um, and then, awesome. you know what I mean? It's, and then now with this break, it's just like, wow. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that I think they just saw this one side of me. It's like, oh, this is a professional person. Um, mm-hmm. And you just see the professional side of you, like the white, whatever you want to call it, you know, somebody that goes mm-hmm. into work. Um, and, and, but I was, right. I was like, I was an artist, like before that, like you, like right out of the womb, like you're an artist before you're even anything. And then you go <laughs> off and you do s- some stuff to, you know, you get a degree, a PhD, player hating degree. And then you go out and you're, you're trying, you're just doing your thing so you could eat basically. Yeah. And then something like this happens in that, that youth and that from, you know, the foundation of who you are, you're, you're almost like revisiting it not that you ever stopped but i i kind of feel similar and i think other people could relate it's just like oh wow yeah totally yeah it's it's a different path for for everybody i mean for me specifically i mean moving out here i i was just heads down trying to you know pay rent each month i was working as an admin and working in staffing and it was just the pits like I didn't have any time to be creative for years when I moved out here but you know drawing was just something that always kept me sane but I always felt that I couldn't own the title really of being an artist like it was always a piece of me but it just I don't know why in my mind it just sounded too grand or too (laughs) unattainable um but yeah I mean really it just it makes me thankful to have you know people like you and a great community of creatives whether that be music or poetry or you know literature or painter whoever or whatever you're into there's there's just such an abundance of community here and people that I'm fortunate to have had push me in that direction and really cultivate my skill set and grow and so that's what I'm trying to do now and especially with you know being laid off as well I mean what what <laughs> other time in your life are you going to have to really press the reset button and 
you know, do you. Do what makes you happy. You're not alone out there. People are, exactly. everyone's doing on the layoff. It's like, gosh, I need like a furlough, like quarantine. Or not, maybe not quarantine, <laughs> but too much. I need, like, I need like a furlough partner. Like somebody that just, just, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. It's just, everyone's getting laid off. You know, you got all these, you know, everyone. It is, it is sad, <laughs> but I mean, it's also just, you know, I think a lot of the jobs hopefully will come back, but I, I hope it presents an opportunity for somebody that might have not been, and this is just speaking from my own personal experience, I hope that this shitty epidemic that we're in the midst of right now presents somebody with the opportunity to pursue whatever goals, whatever career, whatever life path that they thought they didn't deserve or they thought that was unattainable, because I certainly fell into that camp. And you know, okay. it just it, yeah, yeah. You got to make lemonade. Gosh, it is a camp. We're all camping out here in quarantine. Beautyradio.fm. <laughs> Gosh, I'm like 20 feet away from like anyone here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> How many people are in the studio? How are you guys holding up? Oh yeah, we're we're doing it. We um, we know we're not gathering or anything, but you know we're going and you know we got this podcast going. We have. People doing um, some spoken poetry and comedy on the street um, after this awesome. show. Um, I brought the guitar too, so I might make some noise. But it's <laughs> it's really there's something about it too. I mean, because that's what it is. I feel like, and that's before I guess <laughs> before this whatever this happened. You know, walking mm -hmm. around on the street with a guitar, you're really just in that category of how does this person afford to live here? But now mm -hmm. with everything going on, just like to hear somebody play some music or to hear somebody, you know, do some comedy or poetry yeah. on the street is just so uplifting to the spirits of our community, um, at least for me. And what I, I feel, it, it's just something like you don't hear it, you don't see it, you like feel it. It's like so uplifting. And um, mm -hmm. I was, oh, that's what I was going to say earlier. Yeah. So I think I remember it was like back in January, maybe February before we you know, locked down, I saw this um, thing in Italy, and I'm sure you've seen this too, uh, mm -hmm. where there were some folks that were on their balcony playing music. Yes, oh my gosh. And there was something Here's. about that that was so cool. So remarkable. Yeah, it just, it, I think that really, that's a testament, I think, perfectly to your point that just shows how powerful community really is, and you know, for people and musicians especially, I mean, you fall into that camp. It's it's so wonderful that people like you are offering their time and their talent to uplift those spirits. Because I know when I hear street performers, anybody, if somebody's cracking a joke, doing stand up on the side of the road, or playing guitar, like that, just it's so soothing. It's such a human reaction, and it just it it's so inspirational. It's really the glue keeping me together right now. So, yeah, keep it up. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, I just feel like that's what it is. It's like it's art. Like, and with painting, like, it's on a picture, and with photography, obviously, it's in a picture, and with comedy, it's mm -hmm. you know, and with music, it's through the sound waves. So it's just mm -hmm. like the art is through the sound waves. So it's so cool. And then like you can pile like you're saying, all these things aligned. You have people, the painters that are painting up these boards. Then you have the, the photographers, and then yeah, I mean, there's this um. So I used to, There's you know, so I've had our, my neighborhood. So, you know, it's pretty cool. So I'm in like, 
I don't know if they want to call it, but they're calling it Bernal Heights now. I think it's pretty strange. Okay. I live really close to it. Was it El Rio? And gotcha. so okay. I had a thing going, um, really good thing going on there with my neighbors and our uh, community there. We're, we're doing like a house show once a month. So the last one we did was on uh, February 29th, which is leap year, which comes every four years. Nice. And so I had, you know, a couple of these band was it uh dream beamer uh um michael the, in the motorcycle uh a couple <laughs> you know a couple of pizza dumpster and some of these other like local bands over there it was awesome, so yeah. cool and this is what's wild about it so i'm sitting there and i think it was at mindy uh mindy knight she's one of the lead singer um of one of the bands uh, dream beamer she had she brought cool. her tarot cards and she started doing uh. like the tarot reading and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at <laughs> someone asked me about the picture because I had your picture up on the wall. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, it's this local artist. You know, her name is Katie, Katie Harper. And then I looked a little closer at it. It's like, no way. This is a psychic, like, tarot, re- or tarot reading. <laughs> and I'm like, we're, that's what we're doing right now. And then yeah. a week later or two weeks later, the whole world <laughs> changes. Divine intervention. I wonder what cards you pulled. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I wish I can't remember. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. This is leap year. Yeah, yeah. And with it being leap year, too, and just on the cusp of, you know, something new, it's, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a very powerful tool for divination. Um, I myself, I'm by no means an expert, but have been studying the tarot um, for about the past year and a half, I would say. Um had some really remarkable women in my life who introduced me to the practice and I'm somewhat more familiar with the major arcana as opposed to the minor um, and so I'm not I'm not able to read the cards fluently by any means but I have found such solace in being able to connect with that practice and it sounds so woo-woo and maybe this is just confirmation bias at play but every time I've gone into a poll with a question top of mind, the answer has always been in the cards. And it's creeped me out more times than I can count, but it's always been there and it's always been applicable. So, yeah, I'm curious to know how your experience was. Yeah, so I um, I have all these times that I've done some ton of tarot, tarot reading. Um, I've been, gosh, I think I was at a, I was working at an Italian restaurant out in San Luis Obispo where I went to college, a place mm-hmm. called Giuseppe's. Gosh, I hope they're doing all right. They're probably doing takeout in San Luis Obispo. Um, but they, uh, there was somebody that came into the, the bakery. I was in the bakery and this lady, she did you know, tarot readings. And so she did this thing and something mm-hmm. about like, a, and it was different. I don't know. It was, it was something about a rabbit interesting i don't know i mean like maybe it was too much but i was really seriously like up it was <laughs> inspiring i think is what it was i think that's the best thing i was just like well that's that wasn't that's cool i guess it is yeah and i mean certain people derive from it you know a completely different meaning than others i mean it's the same as art you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder and you get from it whatever you need and for some people, that's nothing. It's like, oh, yeah, I already knew that. I didn't need, you know, a piece of paper with an illustration on it to tell me that, you know, I needed to break up with that person or I needed to apply for this job. But for so many people in my life, myself included, it's just been such a helpful tool, really, and just a conduit for me personally to expand my thinking in 
earth-based religions. And, you know, it's been something that I've embraced and it's definitely had an impact in my artistic practice, my spirituality as a whole. You know, it's just something that's so, you know, formative, I guess, is the word I want to use. Something but yeah, that's really... and I also have a deck, so if you ever want to do a tarot poll. <laughs> you have a tarot deck? That's, that's yeah. cool. I don't know. I mean, that, that's, that sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds so you have the print, um, the one of Vesuvio's with the tarot shop on Columbus, don't you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorites. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I had to have it. I mean, I'm not, if you know me, I mean, I could walk around freaking Target for two and a half hours and not buy anything because I'm just like, this isn't, you know, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I had to, I had to get this, this picture. I mean. That's so, oh, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, like, um. yeah, okay. I mean, that makes sense that you live in North Beach, too, that adds a little bit more it to it. I mean, North Beach in itself has just such a history. It was like the OG red light district, old sailors bars. You have the saloon on Grant Street. You've got Cafe Trieste, all of these flagship icons of SF culture. And it's just, it's so great to be, you know, located two blocks away from that and to be able to tap into that. And I've met so many awesome, badass people that live there. Um, but yeah, it's just really kind of informed my process and my work as a whole is really inspired by those stories um, of mysticism and it also incorporates a lot of iconography from the Bay Area landscape itself. I like to always give a shout out to local restaurants, whether I'm, you know, illustrating a sign or a street light or, you know, just something that represents like, oh, that's that intersection on Columbus and Pacific. And, you know, it just, I always want to give a highlight to my head specifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, my inspiration's really drawn from my love of the city as a whole. And, you know, that lends itself to appreciation for architecture and people, the nature. It just has this inherently magical quality to it that I can't ignore. And that's really what kind of opened the floodgates into me exploring my artistic practice and new age spirituality as well. Yeah. There's something that's so mystical. There's something about San Francisco that's just. Magical. I don't know if it's the fog or what, but yeah, I totally know what you mean. It's just, it's got this romantic feeling to it, but I mean, it's also, you can't deny that, you know, for as romantic as it is, it has such a tech centric culture and you know I try to in the best way that I can incorporate not only themes of you know the occult or tarot or folklore um, but also kind of explore these practices and the stories that relate to our tech-centric culture because we have so much that's changed within the past decade and I haven't even been here that long. I'm just relying on, you know, stories and, you know, experiences that my peers and colleagues have relayed to me. And, you know, I can only imagine, you know, what this place would have looked like 10, 20, 30 years ago. But, you know, it's, it's definitely changed. 
but in my in my personal you know view i i still believe that no matter what difficulties the city's experiencing right now we're still just a magical magical place and my art really aims to celebrate that as a whole i honestly believe that to the core i just um <laughs> there's so much history and it's interesting too you know because i'm an east bay native mm-hmm. um but i actually my east bay still has so it, there's so much beauty the rolling hills it's just i, I love it out there yeah so what it was is so my my family originally came out here in the gold rush and oh, wow. so my uh my grandfather was a teamster so he was somebody that took care of the the horses like that carried the wagons oh and my, gosh, my wow. great great grandmother was a hotel keeper and so um that, w- that was her wow. occupation they somehow met um they had 12 kids and my great grandma was the 11th of 12 kids and she was raised until she was 16 at 243 2nd street and so they're calling it rincon hill so it's mm-hmm. like kind of right next to where the courtyard marriott is that if you've ever seen it yeah 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 but it was just such a i mean that there, in 1906 when that earthquake happened it just destroyed everything and then the i'm sure you've seen this before i mean like and then you've mm-hmm. seen the a lot of that is landfill, like where the yep. Salesforce Tower and the Millennium Tower yep. and all that it's is. It's sinking. It's sinking. At least two inches each year. I really don't know what to say ab- about the people that were able to approve building this Salesforce Tower, the tallest tower in the city, mm-hmm. right next yeah. to it, across the street from another tower that is leaning. Yeah. How they were able to do that is just like, how? I... I'm not an urban developer, but personally, I wouldn't go sign on that because that just seems like a disaster. Like, it's taking time bombs. It's crazy. But I, it just fascinates me, and I think for that reason alone, I have a friend that um, owns a shop downtown, but um, you were telling me that, you know, property values in the Soma area specifically, kind of where that sinkage is happening Realtors will incentivize you by lowering the prices of those storefronts, you know, because obviously you don't want vacant buildings at all, but, you know, you, you got to fill them. But who's really at risk? You know, what if there's another earthquake? What if there's another, you know, natural disaster, tsunami? You know, that's that and the marina, they're really, really at-risk areas, just geographically speaking. I mean, the way that they're positioned, the landfill that they're built on, it's all refuse. And so you get any kind of tremor. I mean, that thing's going to tip off. <laughs> Not to get too, like, dark, but you know what I mean? It just sounds so crazy to me. Yeah, that's crazy. That's why it's great to just to look at the painting of what you paint. It's like, <laughs> I just like, yeah, I mean, it could, it could all timber down tomorrow, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if anything, it's like a reminder, a very phallic reminder, too, <laughs> You know, nothing is permanent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a part of the zeitgeist now. You know, technology as a whole, especially with, you know, San Francisco being, you know, the epicenter of Silicon Valley. Um, you know, Salesforce really has such a dominating presence in that world. And it's just, it'll be interesting to see if that changes in the next couple of decades and if it has the same impact that it does now you know who who knows yeah 
I know that Salesforce and Google and all these big companies, I mean, all of the um, employees are able to work from home the rest of the year, mm-hmm. um, which is wild. But, was, you know, it is, I've never, and I go back to the whole, that whole Soma area, and I'd, I was in the Millennium Tower. I was meeting with some facilities person there for because I'm business-to-business candy salesperson. Mm-hmm. Gosh, this was maybe four years ago. Cool. Maybe right when you nice. moved it. Oh, maybe, maybe like around then. And I go in and I'm making a measurement, you know, because we're going to put in this uh, this coffee machine. That's part of what I do. Um, mm-hmm. And I walk out, and I've never been starstruck in my life. But I walk out, and there's Joe fucking Montana. What? I couldn't believe it. I've what never. I feel like, and I love. Believe me, I love. I'm a you know big Lady Gaga fan, and but if I saw her, me it'd be too. cool. Just yeah. listening to Rain on me. Oh my god. Yeah, but I just, with Joe, I just fell. I was just like, man, that guy has a legacy. Freaking Joe. That's crazy. Yeah, I shook his hand. I, oh, my God. That's I remarkable. I, I, I don't know. I, uh, that is, uh, I haven't had any celebrity interactions, really, since I've moved here. I'm trying to think. I know I've like seen a glimpse. There was this one time that I think James Franco was in our neighborhood and every every single one of my neighbors is freaking out, fangirling, whatever. But that's that's as close as I've come. It's just knowing that somebody is nearby. But yeah, I would totally clam up. I, w- I would not have shaken Joe's hand. I just I wouldn't. I'm so awkward. I feel you Too there. Painful. I usually am, but you know, there was something that it was just like this is my one opportunity of my lifetime. And you took it. Yeah. I mean, that was totally outside it. of my thing. I don't know. I want to I want to go as far to say, like, I'm an introvert, but I'm not, like, mm-hmm. an extrovert. If there's an introvert, extrovert thing, I'm definitely kind of there. I think it comes off as spacey sometimes when I'm just kind of in my, my artistic kind of world. Same, same. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I it's know a hard that. line to tell. It's hard for people to understand that, too, because – you know, I'm, I'm never that friend, I guess, to initiate the plan, I guess. But I will always be there at the drop of the hat when you need me. But it just, I think it comes into, there's two different categories of people, right? So there's the introvert, and those people fill up their battery by being alone. And then you also have the opposite end of that, where it's the extrovert, and they need to fill up their battery by being around people and getting that energy, and that's how they recharge. And I think we're all a little bit dependent on social interaction. I mean, quarantine's definitely taught me that more than anything. Like, as much as I value my alone time, it is killing me to not hug my friends and to not be around, you know, my family and, you know, have that physical relationship with somebody right now. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's a delicate line to tell between introvert and extrovert for sure. Yeah, I don't know. There should be a test like that, turret reading style. It should be like a question that you could be able to navigate and figure out. I don't know. I, yeah. um, so my, um, my stepmom actually, she's, uh, she's from New York and she lived mm. above this psychic and I'm guessing, oh, wow. and, uh, gosh, she had like eight kids in this like two bedroom apartment and she was Dang. really cool. I don't know. I mean, I get it girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't That's know. amazing. I, just, I mean, uh, she made, she's making it work. Yeah. yeah. I think they have rent control in New York, too. But she was killing it out there. She just, like, posted up right in front of her place, gave, like, tarot, oh re- tarot readings. I can never say it right. Tarot readings, like, 
all day. Mm-hmm. Is that what the future That's is? That's amazing. Is this yeah, going to be a throwback? Actually, <laughs> you what? Sorry. It feels what like it's going to be a throwback, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, these workers specifically, whether that be, you know, psychics, mystics, tarot card readers, it'll be interesting to see how their practices are impacted by this. Because I mean, a lot of people are really suffering right now and scrounging to save and collecting on unemployment and, you know, hoping that that floats them for the next six months. And so nobody is really spending money on these practices, you know, at least not in my, in my experience, I haven't heard from, you know, any one of my peers who've been thriving right now. And so, you know, I worry that, you know, it will become something of a lost art form in a way. And then you also have mixed into that, you know, people that are just, you know, oh, you know, I, I follow this astrology meme account, you know, on Instagram. So I have everything that I need. I know everything about, you know, sun signs and I know everything about myself, you know. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, it's also kind of sad because there are so many talented individuals, you know, I'm thinking of right now, um, Rebecca Farrar, she has this business, um, in the inner Richmond, she, um, fully operates out of her apartment, but she is a self-identified witch, um, who offers really, really remarkable in-depth astrology readings, um, and full breakdowns of your chart. Um, she studied under Jessica Lignato. She's very, very well known, um, in East Bay, actually, I think is where she's located. Uh, but yeah, has her own, you know, practice and it's just remarkable. And, you know, I, I worry that people like her, you know, just glorious, nothing but great things to say about her. I worry though that, you know, those people in this line of work specifically will be, the most negatively impacted because it's really, really fucking hard to be an artist right now. People aren't spending money on anything that isn't a necessity. And so it's really, really important for everyone to be leaning on each other, to be checking in and yeah, support local art y'all. <laughs> yeah. Up there in the, in the universe, I hear yes. the San Francisco, uh, mutiny radio airwaves here. Just <laughs> it's there. It's you know, this all the artists. I mean, life is an art form too. I'm um, yes. have a friend and they got. I mean, they're they're freaking hardcore, badass <laughs> rock star chefs. Or she's one person, but you wouldn't even mm-hmm. believe that she, she. I don't even know. I mean, it's just like. Yeah. I feel like even no, cooking is totally an art. fall into that camp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is yeah. just uh, there's there's something there. I just yeah, it's um. It's you know with Richmond too, and you said that um, the, one of the tarot readings in the Richmond, there's a place yes, that's called yeah. Bizarre Cafe. I don't know if you've been there. It makes sense. Right? I have walked past that. I know exactly where you're talking about. I've literally walked past it before. I haven't gone in, but yeah. Yeah, so it's a really kind of very artistic, friendly place, and nice. it's right on 28th in California. So it's right in the. It's not in ah, Richmond. I it's don't. not outer Richmond. It's just like the the middle. Okay. You know, the, the, the core of it, you know, that's, right. I don't know. You can't even, it's like the Richmond. <laughs> the Richmond. <laughs> Flagship but, Richmond. Uh, and I love the name too. It's so fitting. It, yeah. I feel like it kind of, that's why I feel like, I, I feel like it's my place. There's, <laughs> you know, it, it's very, 
It's amazing. Yeah, it's truly, yeah, a remarkable place. And yeah, I I love that neighborhood for sure. It's great. There's a lot of artists um, that live out there as well um, that I love to support. I think Park Life is out there as well. It's a really cool shop. They also have a gallery, I think, in the back as well. But oh, wow. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of really great places. And I, I just hope that these remarkable institutions, even Bizarre Cafe, like, are able to sustain themselves throughout all of this as I much as possible. So. Yeah, I, I, and that the government, you know, provides as much economic relief as possible because right now it's a little bit of a shit show. Yeah, I had a actually uh, my fel- our fellow artist and um, you know philosopher on the show back November first, and he was talking about a global reset. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I'm like, hey, did you uh? Was there a little something extra in that coffee when you came in here? <laughs> I'm like, I was thinking, like, in the back of my head, I didn't say it out loud, except for right now. And then I'm sitting back in March, and I'm just like, holy shit, this is a fucking financial reset. And this guy was saying it back in November 1st. And I'm just, that I remember is. thinking at the time, just like, I don't know. I mean, this is yeah. what it feels like. I feel like financially and everything, the way things were before, it wasn't necessarily good to begin with. You no, have something like this. No. I, don't know. I mean, not for everybody, certainly not for, you know, economically depraved communities. And, you know, just it, they say, too, you know, like this is the what great equalizer. And it just it isn't for so many communities. I mean, particularly communities of color have been affected by this so much more than, you know, white urban young communities, you know, living in the suburbs it's just so evident i mean the data is there and it's just it's crazy and yeah it is really remarkable because i mean the people that tried to call awareness to this in the beginning were kind of touted as oh you know take off your tinfoil hat it's going to be fine you know this is on a completely opposite side of the world it's not going to affect us and if it does it's probably going to be in san francisco because of our trade routes our trade patterns you know we're constantly getting imports and exports from china and lo and behold, you know, we're at where we're at now. We occupy, as the United States, 5% of the world's population. Yet we are the third, <laughs> the country, we're in third place for the most amount of deaths worldwide from COVID. And it just, it's such a testament to how fucked up this administration has handled things and how woefully ill-prepared we were. It's just, it's really, it's really something that I have a hard time grappling with. Yeah, I, I, I feel there, and I know a lot of people could definitely relate to that. I, it's capitalism, it just, that's what it feels like. It's just like, I mean, you should have shut down, the, you know, and it's like, what, the star, you know, I don't know. I don't want to get political. Yeah. I, I try not to, <laughs> but it's just, um, it's just, uh, yeah, ooh, um, yeah, it's remarkable though, and I mean, it's it's obviously something that you don't want to dwell on, but yeah, it just, yeah, it, it it's a reminder, I guess, more than anything, to be you know thankful to be where we're at, to live in a city that has relatively low infection rates, great access to hospitals, you know, we're we are prepared, and hopefully, you know, we don't see a resurgence of this in the fall, but you know, it just 
Yeah, it's yeah. it's quite a time to be alive, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no. So I uh, a really good uh, friend of mine actually, funny enough, works at Salesforce. His uh, oh, wow. girlfriend um, and her friends are nurses, and mm-hmm. some of them are getting laid off. And I'm just, yeah, I'm like, what yep. the in the actual yeah. fuck is happening right now? Our yeah, one of our close friends, um, actually, she's going through the exact same thing, and she's a yoga teacher part time, but is also a nurse practitioner at, um, I believe, San Francisco General. Um, but yeah, she's, all of her friends have been furloughed indefinitely because there's so many people that are afraid to go into the hospitals right now, you know, and it's, it's shocking. They're getting laid off and don't have health insurance. Yeah, and it's like, well, how did we get here? What? <laughs> it's just remarkable. It's crazy, but. We need more I art. Mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, things will slowly but surely, you know, start to open up again. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully we are able to assume some state of normalcy in the next couple months. But who knows what that's going to look like? You know, what is the new normal? What is the new going to a bar and having to socially distance and not being able to dance with your friends and get all sweaty on the dance floor, you know? Is weird the new normal? I think weird has always been. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, truly, who who knows what that's gonna look like? It's it's unfathomable, really. I would have never thought going into 2020 that this would be where we're at. But lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that. I mean, most everyone could relate. I mean, I, I mean, maybe I'm not comparing apples to apples, but I remember I, my car was broken down. And oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is going to seem kind of far out there in left field. My car is broken down. I had a mechanic look at it. They said it was going to be done the next day, every mm-hmm. day for two weeks. And I remember thinking, it's like, you could have just said it had been done in two weeks and I could have relaxed. But I'm waking up every morning thinking my car is going to be, and that's what I feel like with this whole lockdown is like, yeah. they said it was going to be done April 3rd. Then they no, said it was going to be kidding. done. I'm just like, this oh, has gotten to a kidding. point. Yeah. I mean, it just got to a certain point. My, I have a little sister. She just, um just turned 18 actually yesterday she was the only girl out of us um kids she's the youngest i'm just like you know what i missed mother's day for god's sake i mean like i freaking missed mother's day like i was i remember thinking about it's like i've never missed mother's day i got a 90 i I got a 91 year old grandmother and i'm just thinking like i just like i don't want to risk this and then it just got to a point like now my sister's 18 and but I'm not going to be there for that too. And it just basically got to a point. I'm just like, and maybe you could relate and other people could relate. It's just like, we cannot be locked up and ruin the yeah. rest of our lives. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where I think mental health is starting to take a toll. And I try to be conscious of that as much as possible. And obviously, everybody's circumstances are different. If you're immunocompromised, absolutely, you should be staying inside and, you know, letting your peers know, you know, hey, it's not okay for you to go outside without a mask or to not wash your hands before entering, whatever. But, yeah, it just, it's so sad to think about everything that's been lost from all of this. Uh, So much celebration, so many, I mean, funerals, I've people in my life who weren't able to attend funerals for their relatives because it was only a 10 person limit and they already had 
10 people in their immediate family. So they just zoomed in for, you know, a service. That's crazy. Like the moments that matter most, you know, we're missing out on right now. And it's such a sacrifice, but, you know, I just, I don't know. I try to think about it perspective wise. I mean, people in New York have been hit so hard and they've been so devastated by this. And, you know, if that means us staying in home and sheltering in place for a couple months longer, then so be it, you know. Have you gotten into the virtual happy hours at all? Tons. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm actually. You know, I probably sound like a total alcoholic. I'm actually not a big drinker at all. Um, I'm not either. However, yeah. I will say that my tolerance has been thriving these past couple of months. <laughs> really, yeah, outdone myself. Um, a little no, special tea but... party. <laughs> <laughs> We do, yeah, actually virtual happy hours with our group of friends every Friday. And I'm oh, that's not, this today. That's today. It, it is Friday. Yeah, we will. Are be they tuning it. in? Eight thirty is when. Just kidding. Yeah. Hi, y'all. What's um, up? But yeah, they. Um, we that's have, good. yeah, been playing the virtual Monopoly board game, which is great because there's no assembly required. You don't have to worry about lost pieces, what have you. But the fights have gotten deep. Like, it is it is tumultuous. Playing Monopoly brings out another side of people. They will sell you out. They will not let you go into forbearance. It is it is hard. It is tough. But it's, it's a great distraction right now. That's been one thing that I've been looking forward to each week. That's incredible. And yeah. That's a great Monopoly, story. You know? I, was, I was on a happy hour last night. And somehow we ended up talking about Steven Tyler and how about how many kids he has. I'm just like, this is so entertaining. I love this. I thought like, it was just live. No, he's had, <laughs> you know what? He's had been in some long-term relationships. See, I know I'm talking about Steven Tyler. Gosh, I remember him back. Oh, the, I remember. It was way before my time. Toys in the Attic. I love that album. It was before they <laughs> went top 40. My dad is big on Aerosmith. Uh, nice. But it was old school. It wasn't like. You know, jaded. It was like toys yeah, in yeah, the yeah. attic, toys, toys. Like it was like so rock and roll. It was so cool. So I, God, I just seem like I just, that. I, you know, I'm very aware of unconscious bias, and mm-hmm. and what's happening, and it's not cool. You know, a lot of what's happening, and I think because Steven Tyler is a quote unquote rock and roll star. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is. It's a fact that he's kind of in that thing where like, oh he's a druggie and you know he's not nothing about it you know but he's been in these long-term relationships he was with somebody gosh i don't have it right in front of me but it was funny because in this happy hour we're just like going for it we're just like this is <laughs> this is so funny it's like um i saw this interview recently with um billy joe armstrong with green day and someone asked yeah. him about the covid19 he's like hey why don't you I ask me about the, the kardashians or something and that's what that's what it is that's what it is that's that art Gosh, right in the Bay yeah. Area to Green Day and Billy Joe Armstrong, he's a Bay guy too. Yeah. Come out, you right in the, yeah. you know, wherever that is. Um, the, uh, <laughs> God, yeah, no. So it's just, um, it's so, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's so entertaining just to think about where everybody else is at now with all of it. Like, how is Billy Joel Armstrong holding up right now? How is Steven Tyler holding up? You know what? Is none of them I would really consider. Um, to be mentally stable. I'm going to say mentally yeah. unstable because come yeah. on. I mean like they're, I feel like everyone's that way. Right. It's like, am I just paranoid? Or am I just stoned? I don't know. I mean like that's so like, <laughs> that's so bold and calling, you know what I mean? Like, and, um, 
it's a. Uh, I feel like they've been they've probably been through a lot, obviously. For sure. Um, yeah. Billy Joe Armstrong kept survived. his drug usage under the table, but I'm sure yeah. there's some, yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, that's rock and roll lifestyle. I think it does have typically, you know, what we see in the trend is, you know, that it's a short, it's a short lifestyle, it's a short expiration date. I mean, it's it's sad, but you know, that kind of lifestyle claims so many lives and so much livelihood. Um, Fuzzy so yeah, Osborne, I mean, I'm I glad have... to see that they're both kicking. At least those are two very badass icons that you know it would suck for the culture to lose i used to have the biggest crush on billy Joel armstrong i think <laughs> so everyone embarrassing. Did. But like my sixth grade class i'm like who is this man what is guyliner and then the killers came out with hot fuss and then it was game over from there i'm like yep yep this is it i respect guys in eyeliner now who am i gosh i remember exactly where i was the first time <laughs> i heard missed it right side. Yeah, and I actually it's a powerful was, album. It still slaps. You're not gonna believe. I mean, I had somebody, and that's so awesome that you brought that up. I had somebody uh, a couple months ago come on, and like she was the the guest pianist, and so she played a song, and I didn't know. We didn't plan it mm-hmm. all, and it was freaking Mr. Brightside. I'm like, this is oh freaking awesome. God. I'm just like, that is so. It's such a like powerful song i think i was reading some article or something but that's been on the billboards top 200 for the past oh god how old are we now how long ago was 2005 2006 it's been around for a long time 15 years i want to say but yeah it's been on the billboard top 200 for that long it is that much a part of the culture and still slaps to this day i stand by that claim yeah, I mean, they were great. They, they had a lot of different influences. And I feel like no matter mm-hmm. what they try to call them, whether it's, you know, punk or heavy metal or, mm-hmm. you know, or grunge or whatever it is, it's a it's rock and roll resolved. It's like they needed to, they needed to yes. call it something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it, they say that if it's not plugged in, it's not rock and roll. And oh. I, I don't know. I, like I mean, that. Courtney Love said that, so I don't know how. I mean, like, I think I have to take that seriously. She's a rock star, but the um, <laughs> they they were plugged in and they used a lot of weird effects. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. And so yeah. what I, I didn't realize it when so I, when I heard just the acoustic version with all, all the you know synthesizers and everything that they have for uh, right. on the studio album, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like common. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a. That one knocks. That's, yeah. I mean, it just, it makes it that much more dramatic, too, when you really strip it of all of those, you know, powerful amps and, like, guitar noises. Like, it's it's just that much more resonating for me. I don't know why. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I love rock and roll, but definitely leaning into, like, my older age, my taste has definitely changed like i i don't jam out to green day <laughs> anymore by any means but yeah yeah those mellow kind of stripped down versions it just gives you a whole new appreciation for the cadence of the music and yeah yeah the killers is one of my all-time favorite bands to this day for that reason so i love brandon flowers he's yeah he's a pop genius he reminds me of a modern day heterosexual maybe there's some fluidity there doesn't matter anyway but like a freddie mercury figure like their style their sound almost kind of reminds me of queen 
because it leans into rock, but it also leads into indie. There's also some elements of pop infused in there. It's just so, oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's what it was. You know, back in the 50s, I was like, you're listening to something, you're like, this isn't blues, this isn't country, this yeah. isn't folk, this isn't gospel. <laughs> we need to call it something. And so I feel like, you know, the term rock and roll was just something that was made up and it all became yeah. theory later. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I and just then you got Elvis, you know? <laughs> wow. And the Beatles and all these people that, you know, are cultural cornerstones, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's just so... <laughs> you're thinking about, like, all everyone that he was influenced by and everything and all the stars kind of aligning at that very moment, you know, with TV mm-hmm. and technology and... You know, who knows? Gosh, even back then, like you, t- I mean, there's maybe there was some sort of pandemic or something going on back then, but it wasn't publicized like things are now. Um, yeah. But it's just, it seemed like then, and that's kind of where all the stars like aligned at that time. And yeah. you know, the Beatles, yeah. Zeppelin. I'm a big Zeppelin fan. I um, that takes me back to all of my high school <laughs> stoner days, but you know. Did the Stoner Days I love end? it. I still appreciate <laughs> it. I can still it. jam out to it, you know? Yeah. What's great. Your... It was such a formative band, you know? Everyone goes through that phase. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm into the doors. I'm going to go to the head shop and Broad Ripple. And we're going to, you know, you know, smoke some grass. Like, that was, that was all of high school. And it's such, like, a stereotypical trope. But everyone needs to respect it. Everyone needs to go through that phase, you know? Part of this whole virtual happy hour yesterday, we're talking about how this this girl that you know some you know somebody was with remarried somebody from a from a a, a band called Supergrass, and I'm just like, man, I feel like that's like straight up, like I don't know. And someone had said, I for you was an interview that said that more people smoke pot than voted for George Bush. Wow. And I mean, I won't mention any other presidents, but um, it's just <laughs> it's so interesting, you know, and that and so. With Led Zeppelin, I just have to ask, what's your favorite song by Led Zeppelin? I'm just curious. I don't know. My sister was That's really tough. the one who introduced me to that band. And we, this is like back in the day where, you know, you only had like one disc drive and a tape player drive in the day. But she um, she had this CD with Stairway to Heaven on it. And I just remember always, like, this sounds so lame, but like wanting to tear up hearing that music, just the ballad of it, it's just so resonating. Oh and it's so popular of a song. Like, I don't really know that much about their discography, but that is one song that still resonates with me to this day. Like, I think me and my boyfriend were listening to that actually a couple weeks ago, and it just, it's still so powerful to this day. It's got that sentimental feeling about it. Yeah. Wasn't oh. it written for his daughter? You know what is? I think so. There was definitely that in there. There was some kind of trauma that he had, and I don't know if it was his youngest daughter passing or the the distance between him being away from her on tour. It was, it was something about his child, I believe. But, yeah, you could just hear it, the pain in his voice. But, yeah, I just distinctly remember driving around in my sister's bed, Dodge Intrepid, listening to Stairway to Heaven. I'm like, this is, this is 
a really powerful song. This is a really powerful experience. And they're all in like to the the mystery, like, and if you play it backwards, it says this. And <laughs> with their merchandise, yeah, it was being pirated. It was being copied by people, and they were reselling it, and they weren't making any money off of it. But it spread That's the word, bullshit. so it made the whole thing grow. Mm-hmm. Even though I mean, it's just like I wonder, like, yeah. So, um, Stairway to Heaven is one of those, one of those gems. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, there's so much more. They're one of those bands like, you know, The Who or, you know, Grateful Dead, where it's like their discography goes on for miles. But yeah, that specifically is the one song that I I can still throw into any, you know, playlist that I'm listening to or rotating through and still, still bang. Yeah, that one's the one. And gosh, I feel like there is something about Zeppelin in that is mystical too that kind of goes mm-hmm. i could see somebody getting their tarot reading like listening to stairway <laughs> to heaven well i i'm not sure what their philosophy was necessarily on new age religion or occultism as a whole but um jim morrison i know from the doors was very into um new age spirituality i think it was his partner or his second wife um, they obviously did like a lot of acid trips and drug culture was a huge really? part of their relationship as well. So not too healthy, but like they were very into the occult and their marriage ceremony was actually done with a cord binding ceremony, which is, um, I believe, um, the marriage ceremony of uh, Wicca. So that I think might have influenced their direction as a band him being open to experimentation with occult philosophies i think that definitely lended itself to you know their artistic expression right before his passing so it would have been cool to see really what he could have come up with down the road yeah it was like he and you see all these you know quotes him, you know, and he said, I saw this interview, you know, he's wearing his stunner shades, you know, with his long hair and a beard, <laughs> like it was like winding down. And so the interview mm-hmm. person asked, I was like, hey, what do you, what do you see rock and roll? What do you see? He's like, and he said, he's totally spacey, like, you know, he's like, I could see maybe, you know, someone, you know, just one person sitting down with a bunch of electronics and, and, um, and really, you know, and something like that, where it was just like, this guy was way in it. This guy, that's what he was. That was his life. He was. I'm glad that you're, you're a Morrison there. fan, you're a Zeppelin fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see that movie? I think Netflix had it for a while, but it was about, I think it was like The Doors of Perception. It was called something like that. Meg Ryan's in it. She plays his first wife, partner, or mother of his um, his child. Um, but yeah, it really went in depth into how much drugs were a part of their psychedelic influence as a band, you know? Like, it just, it, the addiction ran deep. And as much as it wants to be celebrated, you know, because it really did open the doors for a lot no of intended. different bands to try new experimental things. It also takes a very heavy toll, obviously, in Clay's lives. I mean, he was only 27 when he died. I mean, crazy loss. But yeah, just such a open-minded guy. 
did a ton of LSD, but <laughs> very open-minded. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he did it all. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, gosh, it was like, I'm, the doors. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, think about later on, you know, because you think about all these artists and everything that were influenced by, you know, I could, I could see later, in especially Jim Morrison's career, some some Frank Sinatra. It was like, man, you know what? Frank Sinatra probably influenced him. Like, he's like, Crazy, um, yeah. Well, because think about the generation that preceded that rock and roll era. You know, it was very, like, Glenn Miller Band. You had all of these, like, da na 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 Frank Sinatra, Fred Astaire, like, all of these people. Bing Crosby, you know, that's, that's what they're growing up with. And for them to really pave the way for rock and roll and, you know, open sexuality and experimentation, like, it was just such a formative time. And, like, thinking about what San Francisco would have been during that time and walking through the panhandle and going through the Haight-Ashbury district just triggers all of that for me. It's like a nostalgia that I wasn't a part of but still identify with because, you know, I cared about those bands and those people, Janis Joplin, like, That's it's so just so cool. powerful. There's so much history. I had no idea either. Wow. I mean, I mean, um, so I don't know if you knew, I'm sure you probably know, but Janis Joplin's first place in the city was on Lion. Right yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I, when I walk by, yeah, it's a, it's a trip for me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt the same thing too when I moved. I mean, I'm, like I said, I am a Barry new, but when I moved in the city, I felt this extra, like, being an artist. It's like, whoa, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's the what Phoenix I mean. And that's something that as an artist, you know, I specifically try to tap into, I guess. And part of me, you know, really developing and cultivating my artistic practice means that I need to look at the people that have preceded me as role models and there's so much to look at i mean look at everything that san francisco has produced i mean it's it's just so rich it's so rich in history in art in literature i mean you have city lake publishing you have berlinghetti you have so much history and it's remarkable it's impossible to not be inspired by just walking out side the door to get a cup of coffee you know it's it's so I'm, I'm very fortunate we're very fortunate yeah i just and somewhere you know somewhere in there carlos santana's in there somewhere in that mix it's just like <laughs> yes. thinking about it you know back then i'm thinking you know what maybe it wasn't yeah. just like what we're going through now but it, yeah. in the 60s it wasn't easy jerry then. garcia too yeah I'm yeah so, i'm so i can't believe it we're on the same page totally i mean mm-hmm. so he you, you know that i mean you obviously probably know that jerry garcia's um was a native so carlos santana i don't know yeah. he's from mexico mm-hmm. but um you know and they were from yeah. here they were the local bands mm-hmm. and janice joplin was somebody who moved that moved in from texas yeah because it, you know yeah Big Brother Holding Company. They were, yeah, they were Texas before they well, came. Well, you throwback. This is wild. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's crazy. I mean, you're totally right. Santana, Garcia, like, just, it's it's remarkable to think about what going to a show would have been like. Can you imagine seeing those people and just be, you know, in a I bar like with there 20 right now. people in it? I feel it's like crazy. we're there right now. 
I saw that. We I just mean, transport, just astro project into this concert venue. Yeah. Into what is that bar in the Mission? It's by um. Oh God! It used to be the Elbow Room. Now oh, it's the yeah, Valencia it's Room. room. Yeah. I, I can't think of the name, but it used to be like this old um, blue spot, and it used to be a concert venue. And they closed earlier this year, but that that was one of the coolest venues, aside from the saloon in North Beach. Um, yeah, the saloon had people. Yeah, just, you're it right. It was so intimate. It was such a small space, and you just literally felt like you were in a different time. That is a great comparison to the saloon. I feel that way too. Um, gosh, it, it, I went. I ended up going to the Valencia Room when they changed it because I was thinking that they were going to blow it up and turn it into apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, Same, was, yeah, uh, that was kind of our prediction. I was instantly relieved to see that it was a bar, even though I was like, kind of sad that it wasn't elbow room. I know. I, I walked in. I was like, man, it's the same smell when you walk inside. It's the same arcade yeah. games. Except yeah. for the only thing they changed was the upstairs. So, I mean, the upstairs, I know, obviously, you'd been there probably, right? Yeah, I mean. The, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, <laughs> I wouldn't go as far to say it was sanitary. I mean, it was just. Interesting. I mean, it was just a dive. You know, I feel like the saloon kind of has that too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a oh for sure it's swanky all dive. dive. It is all it dive. Just, it's just a straight beer dive. bottles yeah. everywhere, just chilling on the shelves, band in the back. It is it is no pretentiousness whatsoever. Yeah. So the uh, elbow room moved to Jack London Square, and you're thinking about all these businesses that just moved, oh. that just dropped maybe a hundred. You know, I mean, don't know about elbow room, yeah. but just businesses, businesses in general, they just moved. They drop, you know, all this money into, you know, mm-hmm. renovating and retrofitting the place to make it right. that place. And then this happens. It's like, well, I just forked up every penny I had to make this happen now. Yeah. It's devastating. And I mean, we try to go out there and be patrons as much as possible um, to really keep those institutions alive. But you also want to be, you know, conscious of the fact that, you know, it's not responsible for all of us to flood every restaurant that we want to patronize because, you know, we could be posing a risk at the same time. It's just this very hard line to tell, but yeah, it just, it really, my heart goes out to all the people, all of the new restaurant owners. There's this really awesome, wholesome restaurant um, in North beach called the family cafe that just opened and they do amazing. It's like Japanese, Americana fusion, but they also have like curry dishes and amazing salads, and it's just it's so wholesome. What are the cross streets like? I love it. It's at Vallejo, um, Vallejo and Columbus. It's right next to Trieste. Do you know where Buster's is? Yes. Yeah. Cheesecake place. Yeah. Good thing I'm not a a vegan. (laughs) That's maybe not a place to go. Yeah. (laughs) So it's right next to that place has saved me so many times. My God. But yeah, Family Cafe, I mean, they're, they're relatively new and, you know, they already have restricted hours and it just, it's worrisome that, you know, those awesome people, you know, might've put, you know, every last penny into making this thing work. And now you have COVID on top of that. It's just really tough for small business owners right now. And my heart goes out to all of those people. Yeah, no, I feel you there. And I know, you know, there's a lot of folks, including ourselves, riding the, the furlough, um, mm-hmm. laid off train and unemployment and everyone out there listening in, you're not alone. Yeah. You're, you're not, not alone. alone. There's 
comfort in knowing that we're all in this together. You know, everyone's circumstances might be different, but we're not alone. Well, I mean, it's ten fifty a week, right? It's what? Sorry. Ten fifty a week. Ten fifty. One thousand fifty dollars a week for for state that and federal. Wow. Is that different? That has not been my experience. Oh really? Oh, that's oh. Maybe I Mine's be four fifty a week. I mean, that's for unemployment, but <sighs> I mean, okay. It's yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it's it's enough to pay rent each month. You know, for me, luckily, and I also have a really supportive partner. So you know, that's I'm, so awesome. I'm Shout out to the supportive but partners out there. Yes. You're yeah. amazing people. Keep Gosh. doing you. Yeah. I know it's hard, but we're through this. But yeah, it's just, it's really been difficult. And, you know, especially when you have no income whatsoever and you're constantly tapping into your savings to make loan payments or buy groceries or, you know, all of the rent is super expensive. So all of your unemployment money is virtually going to that. It just makes it hard. It makes it that much harder to be confident in your purchasing power and go out there and patronize those institutions and make sure that your local baristas are getting your spare change every week, you know, and it, it just makes it that much more difficult. And, you know, I, I just hope that things return to normalcy soon. So yeah, we need to, uh, yeah, I think, there's got to be a financial reset. I mean, or something. Mm-hmm. There's got to be. I mean, what do we? All of these business, most all of these businesses are going to be done. Yeah. And it makes that. Just, that's what I'm saying. The stud is moving. That's what I'm saying. It's like these these businesses. They're really okay. We gotta just mm-hmm. we just we're thinking about moving out of here anyways. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And this is just the final straw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's art galleries too that are closing up shop. There's I think it's the Legion on Sutter. I mean, they're they're leaving to go to wine country. It's just it's heartbreaking, and you know, it just it's not an easy city to live in by any means. It's expensive. Gentrification has a huge play in that, but like it just I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the landscape looks like, especially now that tech workers are going to be remote indefinitely. What are those office buildings going to become? What are what are all the vacant spaces? Yeah, going to look like. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel like a lot of it is the timing. A lot of it is the timing. I feel like when I had started my career, you know, I'd gotten out of college in 2010 and the market was booming. Yeah. And so I just, um, yeah, folks that are graduating now, I don't know. I just want to, they'll find some way. I mean, these tech companies, these ed tech companies five years ago, you're thinking like, but they're booming right now, and a lot of these right. places are. Um, so, um, yeah, and I mean, and that's great. I mean, my partner works in big tech, right? He works for, you know, Oculus doing AR VR graphic design, and he's supported. Yeah, he has both artists. And wow. We're so thankful for that. But you know, it just the one thing that I can say about his company specifically is that you know their CEO is very invested in giving back donates 95% of his shares, doesn't give a shit about the money aspect, just wants to make sure that people are okay. And I think it's really, really imperative that the majority of these billionaires that occupy so much capital and so much money in this area really, really reinvest 
that money into the communities that, you know, they've, I don't want to say taken from, but they've, you know, it's just, it's imperative. It's really, really shitty to think about, you know, there being so many billionaires in this city and so much wage disparity. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you got other people, you know, working three minimum wage jobs just to make ends meet. And then, you know, a couple people that are collecting seven figure salaries that just, I, I don't know. And there's, I don't want to wage shame by any means, you know, but. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because I feel like there's there definitely has been some generous donations by billionaires. And believe me, I'm not a billionaire. Um, <laughs> but there's been some generous donations. But I'm seeing, like, you can't just throw money at something and expect it to get better. And I feel like the, the issue and the challenges that we're facing as a community mm-hmm. um you know, with, with the questionably housed, that you can't really just, everyone's situation is different. Right. There's plenty of college-educated folks that are living in tents on the street. This Just because yeah. you're homeless doesn't mean yeah. that you're not educated. And, you know, I mean, and every that's, that's what makes so it true. so challenging. It's like every case is different. So what was mm-hmm. really interesting, I feel like this all comes together pretty nicely, is, there was someone, in, and she's actually in North Beach, too, and um, her name is Liz Diaz, and she uh, is the um, owner of a place called Canvas Housing, and so they, they're part of this um, transitional housing, so they build these little homes. So basically what it is, they get these people off the street, and they put them okay. on transitional housing. I mean, like Heartland Hotel and the Tenderloin and all that area. It's mm-hmm. just like, wow, it's just like, how does this how is it this bad? It doesn't even make, it doesn't even make sense. How, yeah. I know. I know. And there's been, it's, it's hard. It breaks my heart, honestly, seeing that every single day when you walk out on the streets, I mean, we go to Washington square park pretty frequently because that's the main park in our neighborhood, but you still see so many people there that live in the park. They live in the park. And some of them present themselves as, you know, completely well-adjusted, normal, you know, whatever normal means. We're all weird as fuck. Mm -hmm. But, like, they don't strike you as what your mind thinks of as a homeless person, you know. But these are unsheltered people that need help, that need resources to tap into. And it's not as simple as going to a homeless shelter. You have 90 hours to get your ducks in a row once you're checked in, get your shit and get out. You know, like, it's it's crazy. I encourage everyone to watch The Pursuit of Happiness if they haven't already so that you could see how hard the struggle is. But Where, where do we find that? Is that on? It's Will Smith. It, I think it came out in, like, 2010, 2011. It was sometime when I was in high school. But, yeah, it's a really powerful movie, true story about um, this guy. God, I'm forgetting his name. But moves to the Bay Area, living in San Francisco, selling bone density scanners, and he's thriving, economically thriving. He's got the wife, the kid, the house, all that. Long story short, bone density scanners don't work. They're not in demand, and so he's out of a job. Money's tight. The wife leaves, and he's still got his son with him to support. And, you know, it just chronicles his entire experience going through the application process, the shelter process, like it's sleeping in the bathroom terminals. It's just so 
heart-wrenching. It's real. And he is a drop in a bucket of somebody that got out of those economic circumstances. And what a lot of people don't understand is that poverty is multi-generational. If you were born into a poor family that's subjected to, you know, drug addiction or, you know, economic depravity, you will probably inherit those same characteristics. And it is absolutely you know, astonishing if you're able to get out of those. I'm not saying that, you know, it's impossible, but it is hard and it breeds a system of more poverty and more suffering. And it's very hard for people to get out of those circumstances. And so you can't paint with a broad brush and say, oh, that person's asking me for a dollar on the street because they decided to choose drugs. You know, it's not as simple as that. It's so not as simple as that. Yeah. And I mean, it's complex. Yeah, not to get too much on a ramp, but yeah, yeah it's no, just, so again. It's, it's hard to not be, you know, affected by, especially living in the Bay Area, really. You know, like, you, you can't walk two blocks without seeing somebody living in an unoccupied doorway. You know, it just, it's so in your face. And it's no fault to them whatsoever, but it's just, it's really, it's shocking. And, yeah. Yeah, it's it's important that people are doing the work to, you know, make sure that people are able to find affordable housing. There's really great programs. Um, Project Homeless Connect is one of them in the Bay Area. I volunteered with them twice before, but, yeah, they work with Lava May to shelter large groups of people, give them access to showers, groceries, legal services, dental work, veterinary care, and it's kind of like a one-stop shop for them to use the day to stop at all these booths, almost like trade show style, and have those resources. And that's all done for, you know, nonprofit. These are just people that care about getting people lifted up and getting them mobilized and giving them hope and not allowing them to think that people don't care about them because they do. Yeah, and you know what um, I think is really interesting? I mean, you have Van Gogh and you have these – these artists that were homeless, that mm-hmm. were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Never sold a painting while he was alive. Yeah, I know. So that's, I mean, that's, there's so many brilliant people out there. And if you're on the street, you're automatically like, no one talks to you and there's this bias. Mm-hmm. There's this unconscious bias. I don't, I don't feel that way. I did actually live on Geary and Polk Street. They were calling it tender, or they are calling, trying to call it lower down. It was an identity yeah. crisis of a neighborhood, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, I saw a lot of it, and it was just, you know, people that lived in the Tenderloin, you told me you lived in the Tenderloin, you told me you lived on Geary Street. They're like, that isn't the Tenderloin. And the people that lived mm-hmm. in Knob Hill, you say you live in the Lower Knob Hill, they're like, that's the Tenderloin. And it was just a, yeah, yeah. a tender knob. Yeah. That's exa- what it was. I couldn't stand the name. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. I'm, I'm a pretty generous person. I remember the first yeah. time someone asked me for, for money. I'm always like, I want to help. Mm-hmm. I'm a very, I don't know. I think everyone does, but I think, you know, it's also, there's something that Heather Knight, she's this really remarkable reporter um, for the SF Chronicle, but she was talking about, you know, the why, the why people don't feel compelled to donate as much as they can or to donate as often as they can. And you really go through sympathy fatigue. It's a real phenomenon. I mean, your heart is so impacted by seeing people struggle on the streets every single day that you're just like, oh my God, I'm not going to leave my apartment, you know? (laughs) And it's it's not the answer by any means. It's just, 
you know, a phenomenon that's happening. But I think it is really important for, you know, people, and this is me speaking as, you know, a white woman and a transplant and a beneficiary of white privilege my entire fucking life. And I've been here for four years, and I just, I think it's so important now for people to really check their privilege and give back in whatever way you can. For me, that's through my art, that's through my time. And, you know, it's it's still bare minimum, but at least it's something, you know? Yeah, so I know you have that, um, that latest piece and the, the proceeds are going to... Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so... I. Yeah, so I know that. What inspired you to, to paint this picture? I'm just. <laughs> I have it up on the Instagram. Yeah, I mean. There's um, so many. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like you could look at it, you could take so many different things, but I'm just trying to get in your head, you. you know? So, yeah, so um, the original concept, I mean, rooted from the images that I'm sure have been circulating for, you know, a year or two now of the children that are detained in cages right now at the border, the families that are suffering and, you know, the people that are trying to pursue a better life, you know, just being denied that opportunity left and right and being told by case managers, I'm so sorry, but, you know, you're going to have to redo the application process. You're going to have to go back to oftentimes communities that aren't even safe for them. And it's just so heart-wrenching to me to think about, you know, people not having access to that. And so with the Karakara print specifically, it's a bird of the Karakara, but um, it's in a cage surrounded by um, deadly nightshade. That is the um, the kind of ivy foliage that envelops the piece. But I mean, this was just my artistic response to seeing those photos, to listening to the stories, to reading the data and the reports and really just being so shook to my core. And again, it's, it's a total privilege check for me. It's like, Oh my God, I've been a beneficiary of my white privilege my entire life. And immigration has always been something that's been at the forefront of my consciousness too. You know, I thought that I was woke and I thought that, you know, I knew everything that I needed to know. I didn't absolutely freaking not, but you know, it just, it really, really made sense to me in my mind that I should be doing more. And so all of the proceeds for this print specifically, you can purchase it through my website. It's ktharp.com. But it goes towards Rises Texas, which is a nonprofit agency. It's based in Texas, and they basically provide free and low-cost legal services to immigrant families, children, refugees, They also offer um, social programs. They do bond assistance and uh, public advocacy to try and really change the narrative around immigration in the U.S. And a lot of these issues have been most certainly exacerbated by the COVID crisis. You had in late April, Trump tweeted that, you know, his administration would be signing an executive order to freeze the immigration system in response to COVID. And you also have ICE raids continuing. You also have deportations happening. You know, it's just a mess. And so this is my small contribution. There is another print to be released later this month whenever um, our printers open up again. But, you know, this is for now what I can do in the smallest means possible to really give back and to, 
you know, donate to a cause that to me is so worthwhile. Yeah, that's very inspiring. There's a lot Thank of dynamics you. to your to the art too. I mean, to what you're, you know, I um, I feel like every time, I mean, just the piece that I have, there's something else that like I I noticed that I didn't notice before, and there's definitely some more. There's some depth to it. I can see it. Thank that's you. So cool. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, and that's I traditionally. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I so said it's great that your uh, partner's a graphic designer too. That's so cool. Like, you know. Yeah, it definitely kind of helps. <laughs> yeah. I'm. Yeah, yeah, definitely fortunate to have you know another creative peer that I live with, um, who also builds me up and also you know makes sure that you know I have as much you know confidence in myself and my abilities as possible. But yeah, I I definitely you know. I care about the process as a whole. I mean, kind of going back to what I said earlier about being super introverted. I mean, most days for me, they're spent after work or what was work, you know, in my room with my iPad or with a piece of paper and pen, just drawing. And, you know, why not do something worthwhile with that art? Why not use somewhat of a platform to speak on issues that matter to me? And so this is just my small contribution. And, yeah, yeah, I hope it helps. Yeah, no, this is absolutely great. No, I, uh, yeah, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we thank are, you for having me. We are winding down. we got, like, another five minutes. Um, but, yeah, so I know that you know, I just want to get an extra plug in because where's the, where's the, the website? Yeah, um, so my website is ktharp, H-A-R-P, dot com. Um, and then you can also find me on Insta. My handle is at Katie Harper, K-A-T-I-E, Harper with two R's, because my name is very generic, and there's probably 40 of me out there in the world. So <laughs> the extra R <laughs> is my, <laughs> my, oh, my, yeah, signature, signature claim. Um, but yeah, you can either visit my site or you can find my work on Insta. I'm also open for commissions right now. So if anybody's looking for a piece or illustration, just hit me up. Yeah, no, definitely. So yeah, thank you so much for coming to the show. You know, I wanted to shout out to your, uh, your partner and your Monopoly, um, friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's so It's cool. going down later tonight. It's, yeah. You're more than welcome to join. It gets oh my gosh. very testy. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. We're after this at six o'clock, we're going to be doing, uh, some, spoken poetry on the street. I'm more of a singer-songwriter. I don't know. Gotcha. I like to think of myself as comedic singer-songwriter, but you know how that goes. I don't know. I mean, like, you'd say that. that you're a painter, but there's so many different elements that are going into it than just that, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so I was thinking, maybe uh, to close out the show, we could play your favorite killer song. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is hard. Uh. <sighs> It's definitely, I would say, all these things that I've done. From all Hot these things. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Let me, uh. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Pam loves the killer. So, yeah. So, Pam okay. is the uh, director here. Cause she's a boss. Hi, Pam. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. So, we got some, we got some space. We could put some art up in here. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me know. I'd love to donate anything too. If you got any wall space, yeah, just just hit me up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent goes to the artist. Yeah. We're all about obviously supporting the artist community. I feel like there's something 
therapeutic about art. I mean, that, I feel like with mental health, and there, like you said, there's no continuity in anything. Like, everyone that's mm-hmm. living on the street, there's a different thing. But kind of listen to some, you know, some comedy and, you know, some art. And it's just, it's therapeutic. Good for the um, soul. Yeah. Great so, for the soul. Gosh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, we so are going to close it out. We'll find you at katieharp.com or your handle. Um, yes, sir. And, <laughs> yeah, we'll close out with the uh, the killers. Amazing. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much again for having me. Yeah. It was no a problem. blast. All right. You guys have a talk okay. to you soon. All right. Take care. Got soul, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul.
Yeah, yep, 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 yep. It's um, it's Bug House Square. It's uh, it's not Tuesday or six o'clock. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bug Out Square. What is a vigilante man? Um. It's, uh, we're doing something different, and it's it's uh let me let, let me get in let me lean into this a bit. Um, I'm at home right now because uh, everybody's supposed to be at home. So I've uh, I used to be down in the basement, but now I'm upstairs. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in kind of a little you know workspace. So here we are. Um, it is what it is, and uh, so hopefully, um, maybe if you're listening to this, everything is is great, you know, because these sit around a while. But uh, in real time here, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty, and uh, we've got a uh, pandemic on our hands, and we're um, trying to lay low. So. We're laying low, so uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little stiff right now because I, 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 I crave those vibes that only uh, 21st in Florida can give you, um, and now I'm in my like little hovel, and uh, I can't really like yell and stuff because there's neighbors and, you know, I'm not alone, but uh, I got a shit ton of good music, so that's good, so uh, tonight is going to be, uh, kind of trying to get some happy songs and some, uh, things that might, uh, kind of grate on me. So, oh, and we got some, uh, contributors too. And, and, and I'm, I, this is, you know, this could be the first of many that's in here. So it's going to take me a little while to loosen up, but, um, like I said, hopefully, technically, everything's going to work here. So, uh, um, thanks for doing, doing what you got to do to do, and uh, and we're in the middle of Lent too. <laughs> so it's, uh, could use a beer right now, but uh, no, I'm being good. Um, so, welcome. Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land.
Sensational Paris or maybe her 